Hello, Atlanta, and welcome back to Go Gaddis Real Estate Radio right here on AM 920 Atlanta's own The Answer. In this segment, how are interest rates on home loans determined? Like, really, how are they determined? And also, how do you make sure that you're choosing the right buyer if you're a seller and you're in multiple offer situations? How do you choose from eight or 10 or 12 or 16 different offers or even three or four different offers? How do you choose? Remember, we want to connect with you. We want to talk. We want to help you in any way we can. Go to gogaddisradio.com, G-O-G-A-D-D-I-S radio.com. You can ask questions. You can make comments. You can push back. We'd love for you to share ideas with us. You can also ask for your neighborhood to be featured in our neighborhood spotlight. This week, we're featuring Oxford Mill, which is in the city of Johns Creek. And you can also subscribe to our podcast, and we love for you to do that. We have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people listen to our podcast every single week, and we love that. We really just want to help you make the best decisions possible in buying, selling, or investing in real estate anywhere in Metro Atlanta. I'm totally fine if you want to listen to me and get ideas from me and use those ideas just to take the best care of yourself and your family when you're buying or selling. I'd also invite you to consider maybe using Gaddis Group at REMAX Center. My family's been in real estate for 34 years. You can reach us at 770-497-0000. Carrie in Dalton wrote in with a question, how does the federal government set interest rates for home loans? And that is so interesting. It's interesting that Carrie assumes that the federal government does set interest rate for home loans. And in many cases, some of the advertising that goes around interest rates increasing or decreasing basically ties interest rates on home loans, home mortgages. In the state of Georgia, we don't actually use mortgages. We use what are called security deeds. So if you ever hear anybody talking about a mortgage in Georgia, we don't really have mortgages. We have home loans with security deeds. And people say, lenders say, loan originators say, Federal Reserve has decreased the federal funds rate, therefore interest rates on mortgages will go down. That may or may not be true. So what happens is the mortgage market interest rates are really set by the yield on the 10-year treasury bill or treasury bond. And I know you're thinking, well, how does that work? Well, the U.S. Treasury bond, people from all over the world, people in the United States and countries and investors all over the world buy U.S. debt, buy treasury bills and treasury bonds that are sold by the U.S. government. It allows us to borrow money as a country, do it at a very low interest rate. I know it's a very sensitive thing now that our debt is up to 16, 18 trillion. I don't remember what it is. It's a huge number. It's out of control. But what happens is investors who consider investing in treasury bonds and treasury bills in the United States consider a mortgage-backed security or a security sold by Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac, which are both government-controlled entities here in the United States. Um, They consider mortgage-backed securities sort of the second safest investment. And the reason the the mortgage-backed securities and the treasury bills and treasury bonds are considered a very safe investment is because they are backed by the full creditworthiness and faith of the United States government. Now, I know that seems like an oxymoron that I'm saying they are backed by the full credit and faith of the U.S. government, but the reality is compared to other governments around the world, 
a, an investment in the U.S. government or a debt owed by the U.S. government is considered to be the safest place to put your money in the world. So as the yield on a 10-year treasury bond or treasury bill goes up or down, so follows the mortgage interest rate. If you wanted to have some fun, you could go to Google and type in historical chart of mortgage interest rates. You could also type in historical chart of the yield on the 10-year treasury bond or treasury bill. And you would see that those numbers kind of move in lock stop at lock stock as the rate, the yield on the 10-year treasury bond or bill goes up. So does the mortgage rates as it go down, as it goes down, so do mortgage rates as well. So it's really set by the national investor, the international, the worldwide investor market. And the reality is that interest rates tend to have an inverse relationship with stability and security around the world. So as the world becomes more stable, let's say, for example, after this crazy pandemic that we've been through, as the world becomes more stable, it is likely that interest rates will go up because it is instability throughout the world that encourages investors, countries, and individual investors alike to invest in U.S.-backed securities. So when you have uncertainty in the world, interest rates tend to be low. When you have certainty and a feeling of security in the world, interest rates tend to rise. So if you wanted to know whether or not I thought interest rates would rise over the next 12 months, I'm not a betting man, but if I were a betting man, I'd be willing to bet a substantial amount that interest rates are going to rise. I know not everybody out there feels like things are stable or secure in today's world because we've still got this crazy COVID and we've still got people dying uh, senselessly uh, from something that, gosh, I just never thought in my lifetime we would experience anything like this. But the reality is that I think most people in the U.S. and around the world are starting to feel like things are getting more normal, even if they're not normal. And so normal might very well mean an increase in interest rates. And what's interesting is if you look at a 30-year fixed rate on a mortgage at, let's just call it 2.75%, and it goes to 3.75%, I'm just rounding, but you'll ultimately pay 25 or 28% more in interest over the life of the loan. So if your interest payment was $1,000 at 2.75%, your interest would be $1,280 or $1,250 a month at a 1% higher interest rate. So it does make a huge, huge difference. This segment of the show is brought to you by the law firm of O'Kelly and Sorahan. They have 21 offices throughout Metro Atlanta, and they specialize in residential real estate closings, title insurance matters, relocation, contract review. O'Kelly and Sorahan has been my preferred closing attorney for the last, gosh, let me think about this, for the last 15 years. Uh, Joe O'Kelly and Deidre Sorhan and their firm do an amazing job taking care of people. And I invite you to consider using them. Their number is 770-497-0000. Again, O'Kelly and Sorahan, 21 offices throughout Metro Atlanta, 770-497-1880. We've got another listener question. This is from Mark in Duluth. It says, we have received multiple offers on our home and we don't want to choose the wrong buyer who will only terminate later probably a pretty good thing to be worried about. Mark wants to know how he should proceed. 
multiple offer situations are very difficult. And one of the things that I can tell you, Mark, is that you need to make sure you're working with a listing broker or a listing agent who is very empathetic with the situation of all the buyers, agents, and the buyers. Now, I don't mean they need to be empathetic and allow those buyers to take advantage of you or negotiate better than you're negotiating. I don't mean that at all. What I mean is they need to be sensitive to all of the buyers and those agents, and they need to communicate with them very openly and very honestly as they as you walk through the process. Now, there's basically four ways that you can choose to deal with multiple offer situations. There's probably more, just sort of four industry accepted ways. Number one, you could reject all the offers and just assume that one or more of the buyers who were interested would actually increase their offer or revise some terms to see if they could make it something that was palatable to you. Number two, you could ask for highest and best. You could tell all, let's just say you have 10 offers. You could tell all of them, look, we've gotten multiple offers and we're going to give you X number of hours or X number of days to submit what we would refer to as your highest and best offer. The problem with that is sometimes you as a seller have things that you are looking for specifically like an ideal closing date or more earnest money or a specific amount of due diligence, the number of days for due diligence. And if you don't help people understand kind of what you're thinking as a seller, then you might have the offer that least whets your appetite, make the biggest level of improvement. And that might wind up being counterproductive because you might not be interested in moving forward with a buyer with a low down payment or some type of financing or whatever it might be. And so the third option that sometimes people use is they go back and ask for highest and best, but they give these suggested minimums and they say, we're asking for your highest and best. And we'd like to close on or after this date. And we'd like the due diligence to be this number of days maximum or maybe zero. We'd like this much in earnest money. And that seems to be very effective. Now, a fourth way would be for you to actually actually make a counter to one buyer. You choose a buyer that offers the best terms that meet your needs and requirements, and you make a counter only to that buyer and exclude the others as a seller. You can certainly do that. My recommendation to you, Mark, would be number one, do not hurry. And if a buyer runs off or runs away because you make them wait a couple of days, don't even worry about that because they wouldn't have bought the house anyway. And number two, you need to make sure no matter what that you counter and you always counter and you pick a lot of things in that offer to counter because really what you're trying to do is trying to reach out with a bat and whap the buyers on the head with a bat to see who will get in there and fight for this home and who wants to run away. I've seen sellers make decisions based on types of financing. I've seen sellers who say, I don't want to sell to somebody with an FHA or a VA loan. I've seen sellers who say, I want to specifically sell to this buyer because I've heard a little bit about their situation or they were the first one to make an offer. They were the last one to make an offer. You can certainly do it however you want to. You're listening to Go Gaddis Real Estate Radio, where we help listeners go from real estate novice to expert. So home selling and buying can be done with all without all the headache and worries that are typical in that transaction. In our next segment, we've got real estate market predictions for the city of Atlanta and South Fulton counties. Fannie Mae is taking steps to reduce racial bias and appraisals. And what should you do when your home inspector says there's mold in the home you're trying to buy? Stick with us. We'll be back with these subjects and more. <laughs> 